Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blast from the Cast, the show where I, Mike Scrimma, talk to you about anything and everything Disney. And boy, it is just so cozy and Christmassy, isn't it? I uh, hope it is wherever you're at right now in Boise. It is actually snowing softly, uh, super cold, and just, well, really, really cozy. And I'm digging it. Got the Christmas tree on. I've got. I had Christmas music on. Uh, Savannah's home. She's making cookies. Oh, man. What a time. What a time to be alive. I love it. Love Christmas time. This is my favorite time of year. And that is, if you haven't read the title of this episode, the topic of today. Today we're going to dive into uh, the topic of Walt Disney World's first Christmas ever in 1971. What did that look like? I'm glad you asked. Let's dive in, shall we? Walt Disney World's first Christmas. What was it like in 1971, all those years ago? Uh, You know, so October 1st was the opening day for Magic Kingdom and, you know, the two resorts, Contemporary and the Polynesian Resort. And they only had, gosh, two months before it was Christmas time. They, They ran right into spooky season. And before we knew it, it was Christmas time. So what did the first ever Disney World Christmas Christmas look like? I'm a little rusty, sorry. Um, That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I already said that in the intro. The joke is stale by now, but you might hear it once or twice. I apologize. Um, So I went digging because I was super curious about what this actually looked like because I've seen it more recently, right? Um, Not since 2015, of course, but that's fairly recent. And obviously, it didn't just come out of the gate looking ex- as ex- you know spectacular as it does now, and the castle all lit up and stuff like that. So that made me think, what the heck did it look like in '71? So for starters, right back in the day in '71, admission was four seventy-five for adults, and that included seven ride tickets and transportation, which is a 765 value. And by the way, I'm getting all this information from uh, worldofwalt.com. It is a really good article published a couple years ago um, that talks just about what it was like in 71. Um, so you get a little feel for, you know, obviously the, the price differences and things like that, but also... Um, what we're talking about now, which is the first Christmas ever. So I will link that in this episode if you want to check that out on my anchor page. But uh, yeah, so again, uh, I mean, no surprise, right? That admission was much cheaper than it is now for perspective, right? Like I said, four seventy-five for adults. Again, that included seven ride tickets because back then you didn't just get to go on every ride that you wanted to, right? You actually had to have uh, an e-ticket system. So basically, if you don't know, uh, Disney used to have this uh, system, uh, whatever you want to call it, right, where you had to have specific tickets to get on specific rides. So e-ticket attractions were always the the 
bread and butter, right? The, the, if you think about it today, right, it'd be uh, Rise of the Resistance or Seven Doors Mine Train or, you know, Pandora, whatever. Um, those are the, the creme de la creme, if you will. <laughs> whatever that means um and so those would be e-ticket attractions and then maybe you know it goes all the way down to gosh i can't even remember right now but basically what you need to know is that you get those tickets with the price of admission back in the day so it's a little bit different um nowadays though nowadays it's not 475 if you didn't know uh it is somewhere between 109 and 159 dollars per day depending on, you know, the exact date that you want to visit theme park. And then, obviously, beyond that, you've got Park Hopper, uh, Photo Pass, all that fun stuff, right? So that's just kind of base admission. And again, totally makes sense. They've got four parks now and all the water parks, resorts, events, all that fun stuff. So I get it. Is it worth it? Heck yeah. Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about how cheap things used to be. You know, gas, I'm sure, was like 20 cents a gallon or whatever back then. So inflation, people, it happens. Uh, Okay, so hours around the holiday were extended from 9 a.m. to midnight. And the park was open on Christmas Eve from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Christmas Day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So honestly, not that long. And it says here, after all, Disney wanted to give its cast members the opportunity to spend time with their families, too. Not my experience when I worked there. Now, I don't say that as, like, boo-hoo, mean Disney. I loved the fact that I worked at Magic Kingdom on Christmas Day. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's chaos. (laughs) If you've ever gone for Christmas Day, it is chaos in a charming Christmassy way. I will say that. Um, in a way that only Disney can do it, you know, people of course want to be there on Christmas day. So if you're wanting to do that, by all means do it. Just know that it's going to be wild, wild. They make quite a reputation for themselves, uh, with putting on quite a show and, and all that. And of course it's Disney, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, actually picked up a shift that day because for some reason, I, you know, I didn't have any family in the area and stuff like that. They're all in Idaho at the time. They still are. And I just thought, no, I don't want to work on Christmas Day because they had people opt into it that year. And Christmas Day rolled around and I was like, I don't have anybody to see or hang out with. I have nothing to do. And it's Christmas Day. Um, I had really no money either. <laughs> and so I went on Facebook, the Facebook groups to pick up a shift. And of course, you know, people were posting their shifts and, um, this person wanted to spend time with their family and I, and of course, you know, it was at the Emporium. So that was easy for me. Um, and picked up that shift and, uh, worked there, uh, most of the afternoon into the night. And I worked the busiest zone possible, which is the first zone, uh, the first room, I should say, when you first walk into the Emporium, you know, like the first possible room on the corner there. Um, they used to have all like the mugs and, and just Chris, uh, not Christmas, but at the time, yes, Christmas, um, kitchen knickknacks, things like that. Right. That's where I worked that night in 2015. And, um, it was nuts, but it was just exactly what I needed. Cause of course I was homesick and stuff like that at the time, but it was just I don't know. There's something about it, you know? And of course there's a reason people are there. And I remember it's, you know, snowing, the castle's all lit up. 
Santa, spoiler, comes down Main Street at a certain point uh, in the evening because it's a Christmas party that night too. And uh, you got the Christmas fireworks. So I couldn't think of a better way to spend Christmas when I was away from my family, you know? Um, So anyway, went on a tangent there, but (laughs) welcome to my podcast. It happens a lot. Uh, So let's talk a a little bit about decorations for the first Christmas ever. So Magic Kingdom was decorated from top to bottom. As soon as you entered Town Square, you would see a 50-foot tall Christmas tree harvested from Paradise, Michigan, covered in 1,200 lights and 1,000 ornaments. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Again, if you haven't been to Magic Kingdom for Christmas time, they go all out, man. It's insane. And they do a special Christmas Main Street music and all that stuff. Um, But the Christmas tree is huge. It is huge. So seems like they have kept that tradition going since 71. Uh, I don't know if it's real anymore. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it is. It's covered in a bunch of ornaments and all that, but it could be. It could be. Um, It also says each window on Main Street was lit, and there were hundreds of wreaths and thousands of flowers, poinsettias, snapdragons, and pansies. So they used to have this kind of wreath slash garland stuff that went across main street right um and they actually stopped doing that because once they introduced festival of fantasy or festival of fantasy i don't know why i added the um they had the maleficent dragon come down main street every day at three o'clock for the three o'clock parade and they realized they couldn't do that anymore um because you know obviously the dragon would one take it down but when she breathes fire it would just light it all on fire and that's no fun so um now they have like these these wreaths on the sides of, of main street either side uh with candles in it and it is still very very pretty and it also doesn't kind of obstruct your view to the castle so that's nice that's nice but um yeah it sounds like they again decked it out they decked the halls if you will <laughs> christmas jokes christmas dad jokes at that uh so there's also a holiday parade um magic kingdom began their holiday parade on december 20th it ran every day until january 2nd and was complete with marching toy soldiers dancing reindeer school marching bands and 50 of disney's famous characters sounds pretty on par to what their christmas parade is like now um i actually remember uh so Again, I've talked a little bit about the Utilidor, or the tunnels underneath Magic Kingdom. And if you've seen the documentary on Disney+, Plus, all about uh, Imagineering, why am I forgetting the name of it? Imagineering Story, I believe it's called. Um, they actually show you a little bit of the Utilidor, if you're interested, and give you a little bit of insight. I never thought it was that spectacular. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. You're underneath Magic Kingdom. Super cool. But at the end of the day, it's, it's tunnels, and it smells kind of like trash and subway but i digress um but one of the days that uh was you know the christmas parade was going on i was working actually in the same zone i just referenced so the the first room at uh the emporium and one of the toy soldiers i don't know had something going on with him and he got done because that that's kind of where the parade route ends anyway is right by the um fire station and things like that and he just marched kept stayed in character marched into the emporium and i followed him back into our stock room and 
apparently he had something going on with like his uh, helmet, whatever you want to call it, the, the head, right, of the costume, and he couldn't see really anything, <laughs> and it was kind of like falling off. So he had to go back there and get it patched up by the parade crew, which is kind of funny. Um, so it's just those little experiences that you 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 know see <laughs> when you work for Disney. And no, it didn't kill the magic or anything like that. It was just funny. It was just funny. Um, but you could also hear when you're in the Utilidors, that's why I brought that up, uh, when you are in the break room for Magic Kingdom, you're actually underneath Main Street. and uh, Or I guess the break room for, for Main Street, excuse me. You're underneath Main Street, and you could hear the toy soldiers marching um, just above you whenever that parade was going on. So it was pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, it also says that Santa Claus joins the parade, and he also appeared in the park. One of the coolest things um, that ever happened to me as a cast member. It was a very simple thing, too. Um, one, there's a couple, actually, just surrounding the topic of Santa. Um, when I came in for that shift that day on uh, Christmas Day, and I think a couple days before that, too, he would be waiting um, for the long walk you have to take underneath the castle and all the way down to Main Street and stuff like that in the Utilidors. He was waiting there, and he was giving out, uh, like, Rice Krispie treats and stuff like that from the confectionery, and and it was just awesome. But also, Christmas Day, he was meeting cast members backstage that wanted to meet Santa and giving us candy canes and stuff like that. And he was the coolest Santa, so in character, the most jolliest dude. <laughs> That's how you want to describe Santa, jolly dude, um, ever. And like I was saying before, homesick and things like that. And that gave me the warm fuzzies that I was really wanting for that time of year. And uh, just perfect. Just perfect. Santa, thank you if you're listening. Okay, so then there's also the Candlelight Processional, which is a staple of Christmas time today in Disney World. But did you know, this is what it says, I'm reading the article, did you know that it started more than 50 years ago? So even in er Disney's early days, uh, they incorporated incorporated the retelling of the Christmas story into the parks. So when I was there, um, and if you haven't seen this, by the way, the Candlelight Processional at Epcot, amazing. They do it the whole uh, Christmas season there, and they have different celebrity hosts. And the one that is consistent every year and people just flocked for is uh, Neil Patrick Harris. So I got to go see him and uh, you know, he, he goes every year, maybe not this year, but uh, he goes every year and um, takes his family down. And so I got to see him at Magic Kingdom as well. Um, I think the year I was there, there was also Whoopi Goldberg and, and a couple other really, really cool people. Um, and basically they just read the, the Christmas story. Um, and there's a lot of uh, singing, there's a choir, it, it's amazing. It is amazing. So if you haven't done it and you're there for Christmas time, make it a point to go see the Candlelight Processional at Epcot. It's right in front of the American Pavilion, uh, their little stage there. So anyway, anyway, so a little bit of history here. Uh, it talks about with the Candlelight Processional dates back to 1958 in Disneyland when singers from USC and local choirs joined by school bands performed in Town Square with a celebrity narrator who performed a dramatic reading of The Christmas Story. Dennis Morgan, an American actor and singer, held this position from 1961 to 1964, and Dick Van Dyke took on the honor in 1965 to promote Mary Poppins. 
Very cool. So when Magic Kingdom opened in 1971, the candlelight processional was added to the holiday celebrations. So like in Disneyland, the show was performed in front of the Walt Disney World Railroad Main Street USA station. That's a wordy name for just the railroad on Main Street. (laughs) Uh, The show took place on two nights, December 18th and 19th, at 6 p.m. with 1,200 carolers and rock Hudson, another American actor performing the narration both nights. Frederick Fennell conducted the orchestra, and boys' choirs made up the Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they have the choir kind of, uh, yeah, they're just standing on these bleachers and stuff like that, and it ends up shaping, uh, making the shape of a Christmas tree, which is a nice little touch. Like hidden Mickeys, there's hidden Christmas tree. Um, So the candlelight processional was moved to Epcot in 93, Hey, there you go. See, it's at Epcot now. Uh, After guests expressed that they wanted more shows. Give me more. Uh, The American Gardens Theater in the American Adventure Pavilion. Boom. See, I I know what I'm talking about. Come on. Uh, Was capable of of holding larger audiences and being a dedicated location for such a performance. There were 30 performances that, that year spanning 15 nights. And the show was expanded even more in 94 with 60 performances across 30 nights. This year, 108 performances were scheduled across 36 nights. By the way, again, I said before, this was written in 2018, so definitely not this year. Uh, We know that's probably not happening this year. Um, So, And it says some Disney World traditions start small, but they do grow over time. And I will say, that is definitely one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Um, And just the Christmas time thing. What am I saying? It's really cool. <laughs> so that kind of wraps up that part of just what Christmas looked like um, in the first ever at Disney World uh, in 71. Now, I know it covers a little bit of the candlelight processional, but remember, um, Epcot didn't open till 82. Um, so really, it was in front of Main Street sorry, in front of the railroad on Main Street for those years leading up to 93. That's when it was moved to Epcot. Anyway, um, one of the other really cool things I experienced um, at Disney World for the holidays was actually going around Epcot uh, World Showcase and seeing each country's different like holiday traditions, holiday foods, drinks, things like that. It was really cool to see and kind of learn about all those different things. I remember in, I believe it was Germany, they had this drink, and I forget what it was called, but it was like this really sweet, caramely drink. It, yes, it had alcohol in it. I'm sorry. It just, hey, sometimes you gotta. And uh, it, um, it was like the smoothest, most cozy drink I've ever had in my entire life and I have been kind of searching for it ever since so if you guys know what it is uh, or what's in it or how to make it whatever please let me know because I've been missing it ever since I probably could google it but you know that's too hard (laughs) Um, and then I remember also getting god I think it was peppermint hot chocolate Um, I again I believe that had a little bit of booze it's world showcase okay there's gonna be booze there it's just a fact of life and uh, we we love you for it world showcase Um, and that was just amazing uh, walking around and getting to experience all those different traditions and just having a hot cup of hot chocolate that was actually the night that I saw Neil Patrick Harris 
what a guy. Uh, another thing that I always loved to do, I say always, like I go there every year, but I did it quite a few times because I lived there. Um, I would go to, they had it at the Grand Floridian, um, I believe at the Beach Club Resort, a few others, right? Uh, Yacht Club maybe as well. Um, their gingerbread houses, they had a gingerbread carousel, all this different stuff. Oh, there was one of the contemporary um, that looks kind of like Elsa's Castle that year super cool and it was all made out of gingerbread and they had these amazing frozen themed gingerbread treats oh man and this like peppermint marshmallow i don't even remember but it was i just remember it being really good um so it was just beautiful time of year and then of course every park has its own christmas decorations um so hollywood studios kind of has a tinseltown sort of look to it Animal Kingdom has its own uh, kind of flair to it, but it's just, what a time to be there. It's, you know, you already have a very magical place in and of itself, and then you add Christmas onto that, and it becomes even more magical, even more cozy, and things like that. Um, So if I ever have a time machine, me personally, (laughs) okay, let's just say if ever, you know, there's a time machine invented, uh, I would say I want to check out the first Walt Disney World Christmas ever. One, because, hey, that's super cheap, okay? $4 or whatever it was, uh, $4.75, that's pretty dang cheap. <laughs> and two, just to be there. Um, so those of you that have been to Disney World during Christmas, what is your favorite thing about it? Is it the snacks? Is it going around seeing all the gingerbread houses? Is it the very merry christmas party what is it i'm really curious to know so if you would like to tell me you can leave a voice memo on anchor.fm slash blast from the cast other than that i hope you all enjoyed this episode thank you so much for tuning in again i don't know if people still tune in because uh, it's not a radio show but thank you so much for listening that's a better way to say it uh i will come at you next week with another christmas themed episode of blast from the cast thank you so much again for listening enjoy this holiday season i'll talk to you next week bye bye